Friends, uh, as Matt said earlier, today is Trinity Sunday, and uh, I've heard that never is a preacher more in danger of accidentally preaching heresy than on Trinity Sunday, so um, I covet your prayers. Um, friends, uh, before and after our sermons, we, uh, we do this, um, we say in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is obviously naming the Trinity, and you'll notice that little plus sign in your booklet and you probably see a lot of us do this, uh, we make the sign of the cross when we say the name of the Trinity. And uh, what we're doing there is, uh, I heard someone cheekily remark that one of the best ways to avoid heresy in talking about the Trinity is just to make the sign of the cross when you hear the, the name of the Trinity. Um, that's not heresy. Uh, but basically what we're doing is we're praying with our bodies that when we hear the name, and we'll talk about this. The Trinity is our home. It's not a doctrine primarily to explain or to understand. It's our home. It's where we live, and it's who lives with us. And so every time we hear the name of the Trinity, um, I invite you to make the sign of the cross as, a, as an embodied prayer of consecration to the Lord to say, yes, th this is my Lord. This is where I belong. This uh, is my home. So I invite you to do that now. Uh, you don't have to, but I invite you to uh, as we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, we've had another uh, momentous and troubling week um, across our country. People protesting police brutality are being treated brutally by police. Um, the violence and cruelty that we've seen on the videos uh, has been deeply unsettling. Um, we have a we need to say it, we have a president that is incapable of offering a word of comfort or hope to anyone um, who escalates the violence and division rather than diffusing it uh, and who uses violence to push priests and protesters off of church property so he can co-opt the church's symbols for partisan purposes, holding aloft a closed Bible like some kind of talisman in a brazen act of idolatry. It needs to be said, this is what's happening right now. These are Troubling times, um, and it's been a momentous week. Uh, what can we say as the church in response to these things? Today, friends, we can proclaim the Trinity. And uh, it's deeply relevant uh, to our present moment, I think, as I hope you'll, as I hope you'll see with me um, in the next few minutes. Uh, Trinity Sunday is the first Sunday of ordinary time. Uh, you'll notice Matt and I have our green stoles on. We're going to be wearing green for quite a while now. Um, which is uh, the season of ordinary time. We can talk more about that uh, later. But the first Sunday of ordinary time is Trinity Sunday. And it really flows theologically out of everything that has come before that um, we prepared for and celebrated the incarnation of God becoming man in the seasons of Advent and Christmastide and Epiphany. Uh, God becomes what he loves and he um, reveals the glory of God to us uh, in the person of Christ. Then we journeyed with Jesus uh, toward the cross during Lent and Holy Week, and we beheld the horror of the crucifixion on Good Friday, Jesus dying for the sins of the world. We celebrated his glorious resurrection from the dead during Eastertide, uh, new creation bursting into the midst of the old. And then we celebrated Jesus' ascension to heaven a few Sundays ago, um, where he rules and reigns as Lord of all right now. And last Sunday, of course, we celebrated the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. This is the gift that Jesus promised to his disciples, um, the presence of Jesus in the, in, in the person of the Holy Spirit with us forever. And so the doctrine of the Trinity kind of lies, it ties all of these threads together, really. It's sort of the conclusion that the church came to about the God that they were worshiping. 
Jesus reveals the true nature of the God who created all things, as we read in our Old Testament reading. He creates all things in love, and then he heals our corruption in his death and resurrection in Jesus. And now the gospel we proclaim ultimately is this Jesus, who reveals who God really is, has been raised from the dead, has defeated the powers of sin and Satan, and is now the Lord of the world. Jesus is Lord. And because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this Lord, who reveals who God really is, is now with us forever. This is essentially the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, The Trinity is now our home. So friends, the good news we proclaim today is that all authority, all of it, in heaven and on earth belongs to Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, who through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has revealed God to us, has revealed the Father to us. Beloved, we have been plunged into the life of the Trinity and the mission of the Trinity. And every day, now until the end of the age, no matter what each day brings, God is at home in us, and we are at home in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The doctrine of the Trinity, friends, is the result of the church's theological reflection, uh, not in an academic ivory tower somewhere, but on their experience of Jesus in worship. They were experiencing Jesus in worship at the table as they came to the, as they participated in the Eucharist and through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, through participating in the mission of God. As they were doing this, they said, we're, we're encountering Jesus here. What does this mean? What does this mean that we're encountering Jesus as we worship and as we engage in mission? The early church found themselves doing these things and finding their need to find a way to talk about it. So the Trinity, uh, the thing I want to say about the Trinity is that it's not an abstract theory to explain or understand primarily. It's a reality to live in. The Trinity is not an abstraction to understand or explain. The Trinity is reality, and it's there for us to live in. The goal of our life and discipleship is divine union with God. You may have heard us say that a bit. Uh, This God has revealed himself in Christ, and that Christ is with us through the Spirit. So the Trinity, as I said earlier, is our home. The Trinity names our ongoing encounter with the God who creates all things in love, the God who becomes what he loves in Jesus and is forever with the creation that he loves through the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see all of this in our gospel text today, um, the one that Spencer read from Matthew 28. Um, The disciples meet the resurrected Christ where he said to meet them. That's a good idea. When Jesus promises to meet you somewhere, go there. Uh, go, go be there if he promises to be there. Uh, they worship him as God. Um, the text says that they prostrate themselves before him. Uh, but some doubt, and that's okay. It's a lot to take in. Jesus gets that. Jesus commissions them all anyway, and he makes the same promise uh, to the doubters as well as the worshipers. And Jesus comes near to them, and he says these words, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. And the Spirit is coming near to us as well today, friends, to proclaim these same realities. All authority in heaven and on earth, all of it belongs to Jesus Christ, the one who reveals what God is really like, the one who shares his presence with us through the Holy Spirit, Beloved, we have been plunged into the life of the, and the mission of the Trinity. And every day, from now until the end of the age, 
no matter what each day brings, God is at home in us. And we are at home in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Notice in our text, friends, that all authority has already been given to Jesus. This is not contended. The universe is no longer contested space. Jesus is Lord. That is our current situation. Jesus is Lord of heaven and earth, despite appearances to the contrary, despite pretenders who want to set themselves up as gods. Jesus has already won the victory over sin and death. And this changes everything about how we engage in this life that's been given to us. So we make, this, we make disciples, we baptize, we teach. Um, and baptism, by the way, is not just this ritual act that Jesus says, make sure you use the right formula. Um, but he's saying, make sure that you live the life that the baptismal ritual initiates you into. Make sure that as you are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you are also living the life that is plunged into this reality. Immerse yourself into the Trinity. And friends, we do this, we engage in this life, we engage in this mission with the confidence that Jesus is Lord. We're not trying to make the world a better place as Christians. We're not trying to change the world as Christians. We are simply sent by Jesus to proclaim that the world has already been changed, that new creation has begun. We bear witness to this new reality in, uh, that the world doesn't see yet, that Jesus is Lord. This is very tied up with the doctrine of the Trinity. Notice also in this passage that we do this for all nations. We're to proclaim this message for all the nations, all the ethnos, the people groups, the ethnicities of the world. And this means that one group does not get to lord it over another group. Jesus is Lord. One group is not lording it over another, but all peoples are to be brought together to live in harmony and unity and justice and equality with one another under the lordship of Christ. My friends, this is hard for us to get. It took a while for the early church to sort this out with their Jew and Gentile problem. There was one group wanting to lord it over the others. And it was, a, it was a radical thought. It was very difficult to dismantle this thought. And friends, in our day, uh, we have our own kind of Jew and Gentile problem in a way, right? The gospel in its fullness, it's taking a while for us to understand this, that the gospel actually does unravel white supremacy. And, system, and systemic racism. Um, and I think these days, I mean, if I can speak frankly, I think these days uh, we are seeing a reckoning happening. There are those who have used and want to continue to use Christian language to implement the Antichrist doctrine of white supremacy. But there are those who are learning what the gospel means. There are those who are allowing trying to allow the gospel to undo and unravel the ways that white supremacy has intertwined itself with the church. Friends, may we be a community that is continuing to learn what this looks like, to keep repenting of the ways that we've participated in these systems and structures that have kept others in bondage. Another way to say this, friends, is that because Jesus is Lord, white supremacy is heresy. Because Jesus is Lord, black lives matter. Because Jesus is Lord, being beaten or killed is not the worst thing that can happen to you. So there's authority. Jesus has been given to it. This is a message for all nations, all peoples. And finally, Jesus says, he gives us this wonderful promise at the end. I myself will be with you. This is the best part. As we follow Jesus and proclaim the kingdom, we are never alone. 
Jesus himself is constantly with us the gift through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we think of the presence of Jesus with us as kind of like a nice, warm feeling we get when our favorite worship song gets played. When Joel finally figures out, Joel's like, oh, man, if Joel can just play that one song, then I'll have the warm tinglys, and then that'll mean that Jesus is with me. That's the presence of Jesus. But friends, this promise uh, that of Jesus' witness with us, this promise of God's presence is not primarily an individual therapeutic promise. It's not meant to help us feel better, necessarily. It's not a lifestyle choice that we make. It's not something we add to our lives um, to augment it. But this is a radical plunge into an entirely new life, a new definition of goodness, a new way of being in the world. And as such, it demands something of us. The early church found that as they proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus, they found themselves encountering Jesus. Yes, at the Eucharist table. We're going to celebrate that here in just a few moments. Um, but also in the poor, in the marginalized, in the oppressed, just like he promised. To practice this new life, to be plunged into the life of the Trinity, then, is to put your places in the, in, put yourself in the places where Jesus promised to be present. At the table, this is my body. I'm really excited to celebrate communion with you today, by the way, for those of you who have communion elements. Um, and also in being present with the poor, with the marginalized, and with the oppressed. When we meet Jesus in the oppressed because Jesus has so identified himself with them that Jesus really is the poor, Jesus is the marginalized, Jesus is the oppressed. We find his presence as we stand in solidarity with those who are being oppressed today. So friends, one of the outworkings of this fact that Jesus is Lord and the Trinity is our home is that Jesus is George Floyd. Jesus is Breonna Taylor. Jesus is Ahmaud Arbery. Jesus is every black person who's been lynched in this country. We encounter Jesus in the Eucharist. And then we encounter Jesus as we march with protesters shouting, no justice, no peace proclaiming that black lives matter as an outworking of the gospel. This is all the outworking of living in the reality of Jesus' lordship over all things. We meet Jesus. The Jesus who promises to be present with us is, pre is present there. That's where we meet him as we participate in these things, as we lay our lives down. Friends, all authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is the crucified and risen one who through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has revealed God to us. Beloved, we've been plunged into the life and the mission of the Trinity. And every day, from now until the end of the age, no matter what each day brings, God is at home in us. And we are at home in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Finally, one more thing, friends. Um, these are heavy times. Uh, the pandemic has not gone away. I forgot about it for a little while, um, but that's still <laughs> happening, just in case you wondered. Uh, the pandemic hasn't gone away. Um, neither has white supremacy, apparently. Um, but friends, uh, we live in the Trinity, even in, these, in the, even in these times. We encounter the presence of Christ at this table that we're about to approach, and in the marginalized, and in the oppressed. So just a few practical things about how to respond to this um, in these days, friends. Um, let me encourage you to continue to connect with your life through the means that, that Christ has given us to do so. Pray. 
if you don't have a regular practice of prayer, now is the time to get in touch and to be in touch with the Lord. I invite you to pray with us on, on uh, Monday through Friday at 8.30 a.m. We do, we do morning prayer together. So if you've never thought about doing that or if this has never occurred to you, join us for prayer. We, we connect with our life in this, in this way. I invite you to fast. Fasting is a very normal and historic uh, practice that the church and really God's people throughout the ages have engaged in in times of distress and upheaval. Um, fasting. So I invite you to pray and fast, connect with your life. I also invite you to remember that you can really only take so much. <laughs> remember that you are limited in your capacity to take in these things. Um, anger and anxiety are, are normal. And we do need to see what's happening right now. And we need to allow it to touch us. Um, but it's very easy, I think, also to get lost in stoking that anger and stoking that anxiety. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to heed the advice of people who have been involved in these struggles for decades um, who say, hey, be careful you don't burn out. You need to practice self-care. We need you involved long-term, not just a flash in the pan. So remember, friends, you're human. You can only take so much. Uh, and so keep that in mind. And I also just encourage you not to numb out either. Um, sometimes it feels to me like uh, these are our only options to take it all in and become overwhelmed or to block it out and numb out because it's too much. But friends, I do think there is a third option. There is a way of holding these things, seeing them, empathizing with them, allowing them to touch us, lamenting, bringing them to the Lord in lament and in prayer. And so we can pay attention to these things and we can care for each other as we, uh, as we do so. So let us lament, let us fast and pray. Let us care for each other. Um, let us find simple, practical, concrete ways to stand with the oppressed and with the marginalized. And friends, let us do this all confident that Jesus is Lord and that we have made our home in him and he has made his home in us. Amen? All right. Friends, we're going to respond now um, by proclaiming the Nicene Creed, uh, which is this proclamation of not just true facts, but our story, our life. This, this uh, proclaims the reality of the Trinity. This is the deepest foundations of reality, the bedrock of our deepest joy that can never be taken away from us. We're going to proclaim that together, and then we're going to pray the prayers of the people. Um, and this is part of how we participate in God's life, participating in the Trinity by allowing our groanings to come to expression, joining with the groanings of the Spirit for God's new creation to be fully realized. So God invites us here and now to participate in his work through proclaiming the creed and through prayer. So be here with us as we do these things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>